So, Brett, are you a country mouse or a city mouse? Oh, I didn't know that we were doing mice things. Um, go ahead. I, I mean, there, there's a there's a cartoon called The Country Mouse and the City Mouse. So oh. I, was, I was just trying to be cute by asking if you're, are you a little bit country or are you a little bit rock and roll? Well, I was actually born in Mississippi, so that's exciting. Really? You were born in the yeah. Delta? I was born in the Delta. My parents were in the Air Force, and so I was born in Mississippi, and then I went back up north to have a proper raising with so, normal people. A proper raising instead of a hell raising. That's right. No um, hooting and hollering for you. No. Um, I, I don't know. I would say I'm more I'm more of a city a city mouse. I, I like, I don't know. It's just nice to have options. Even though I don't like to use all of the options at all the times, it's nice to have them. How about you? Oh, I am 100% a city mouse. But, yeah. you know, I'm from Texas, so I've been known to be rooting and tooting on occasion. Everyone's got a little bit. Everyone's got a little bit running in their jeans. <laughs> in their blue jeans and their pickup trucks uh shall we get this going let's do it This is Necromancer. Necromancer. My name is Shira, and I'm a cowgirl who likes romance. My name is Brett, and I'm a cowboy who likes horror movies. And if you haven't already guessed, this week's theme is country. And it's actually, it's it's almost like country by mistake, because... <laughs> We were talking about themes as we do, and Brett said, well, how about we do country again, meaning how about we look for a country and pick a horror movie and a romance from it, as we've done in the past. Check out our South Korea episodes. A lot of fun. Um, But I immediately jumped on that, and I was like, country? (laughs) like country music and country folk. Uh, and I said, yeah, how about we do Sweet Home Alabama? Because I I like to take you, Brett, on a tour of the um, the romantic comedy hits, you know, if you will, the, the Citizen Canes and Gone with the Winds and um, uh, Reservoir Dogs of... Uh, of the rom-com genre. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily say Sweet Home Alabama is the Reservoir Dogs of um, I wouldn't know. <laughs> Not at all. of rom-coms. Um, that would probably be that movie with Julia Roberts, um, the uh, where she's like a con artist, or maybe the Lady Oceans. But but I digress. So our theme this week is country. What's your his? Do you have any kind of history with country as a concept or country music? 
other than being from the Delta? No, I would say probably none. The only thing I know from country is just what I know from growing up and watching on pop culture TV. Um, I have some I have some uh, family who lives out in kind of country ish areas, but it's I would never say it's like deep country or mm-hmm. anything. But um, yeah, I think uh, David David Cross has that bit on like the redneck accent, how it's sort of like every state can claim a little bit of that redneck accent. Because I've have I have some uh, family in new york upstate new york that's in country area and they definitely have that redneck type twang which is a very non-specific area of like accent i think that's why country living or like the country is such a rich sort of theme for both rom-coms and horror movies because it's like going to a foreign country in your own backyard, whether that deep country is upstate New York or Alabama or, you know, I mean, you've got Nicole Kidman and Steve Urban and they're from Australia. They're huge country folk. Uh, And I think, you know, Shania is Canadian. So I don't know, you know, country as a concept Mm -hmm. isn't unique to the American South. Right. Uh, yeah, I, I I definitely think that it's kind of like reverse goth, where it's like, you know, goth, there's a music, there's music to it, there's an aesthetic, there's even an environment that you think of as gothy, and then country is like the um, the vanilla sunshine version of that. Right. You place your black dress with your cutoff jeans and your hearse with your pickup truck. <laughs> yeah, it's got I mean the 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 US South country. Um it, it does have a very specific vibe though. <laughs> it does. Both of these movies do a great job of like throwing you into that uh otherworldly kind of way of doing things right right no this is kind of you know in the in our previous episode where we talked about anime on from up from poppy hill there's you know that tension between it's like how do you preserve the past uh and this is kind of like the opposite way where instead of being new and treasuring where you came from, there's a lot of we're stuck in the old ways. And it makes it easy to say like, okay, if you head out into the country, it's going to be like a different planet and it's going to be more more rich, more over the top more primordial if you are getting into the horror side of things yeah it's um i i didn't think that i would um that i would end up liking the horror movie as much as i did but um i um yeah i thought both of these were were very great to watch for different reasons I I would agree with that. I I would definitely think this this might end up being another one of those cases where 
you and I being the rom-com fan and the horror fan, the movies that we chose probably (laughs) appeal way more to us than they do to each other. I, I struggled. I, I struggled with Southern comfort in a way that I did not struggle. I mean, I struggle, I, I will admit, I struggle with Sweet Home Alabama too. There were some cringy things that in 2002 probably didn't seem as cringy as they seem to me now, where I'm like, ugh. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, Southern Comfort had that too. It's like, God, why did they have to make my boy Keith Carradine so racist? They don't though. He is kind of. He says the N-word in a, f- a few times, and he's like, down here, we don't carry guns. We carry ropes. And it's like, ugh, gross. I think that's very specific. I think that his character is very much an uh, sort of outsider looking in who, like, he's a city boy who grew up in the country, and he's he's acknowledging the... I mean, we'll save it for the actual movie, but yeah, I think he he does everything with sort of a tongue-in-cheek kind of like, you know, you're just assuming this is what we're all about, but towards the end of the movie, he's he's kind of saying, you know, but really there's more. There's more to me, at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, there is more to him, and yeah, no, I mean, Robert Carradine don't care too much for him keith carradine though mm, what a man (laughs) (laughs) in any case uh where do you want to go first i can do either i feel like i have more to say about southern comfort i don't have nearly as much to say about sweet home alabama (laughs) Hmm. to the bayou or to Pigeon Creek, where do we go first? You know what? Fuck it. Let's go to Pigeon Creek first. Let's yeah. let's let's do Sweet Home Alabama. Uh I I really phoned in my I'm just telling you right now, I, I totally phoned in my horror for this one. I it's this is this is an elevator pitch where we're just going two floors up. Yep, same here for both of them. <laughs> um, that, that works with me. But I did I did very much like your enthusiasm for Sweet Home Alabama when I suggested it wasn't just a country as in a different country. It was a state or country. And so you said Sweet Home Alabama. And you're like, let's do country. Sweet Home Alabama. And I was like, wait, are, are, do you mean country as in country? Or do you mean country, country. as in like... Are you trying to say the state of Alabama? Like, what what is going on here? So, yeah, build the wall around Alabama. <laughs> I looked up a few um, horror movies that take place in Alabama, and none of them looked appealing. So I was almost going to nix the idea uh, until I found Southern Comfort. And I was like, oh, shit, this looks like a good movie. I think I've heard about this one in the past. So, yeah, yeah let's do country. I was like, that fits. This movie there, fits in yeah. the country. There's a few country themed uh, <laughs> horror movies. Like, I mean, well, yeah. we've already covered Texas Chainsaw right. uh, way back in in episode one. Would you consider Hills Have Eyes country? I I was thinking about it. I was thinking, yeah, the the most obvious one to me would be Texas Chainsaw one or two, and then Hills Have Eyes. But I was like, I don't know if that's country or if that's sort of 
something else that's like in no man's land almost have you ever seen uh well i mean it's funny i keep saying this even though this is ultimately going to be the sweet home alabama episode but have you seen trailer park of terror that's another southern horror i don't think i have no oh it's absolutely ridiculous somebody gets deep fried to death well i mean because because why not why not um but you know i was really excited about sweet home alabama because you know there's just certain movies that i think form sort of the dna or the reference point of many movies that come after it like i know that sweet home alabama was only back in 2002 but think of this movie as the genesis of thousands of hallmark and lifetime movies and books not to mention the the romance book market shout out to to them because there's some great comedies in them but the idea of woman comes back to her hometown and meets the the guy she left behind is just something that romance fans eat up num 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 it's like getting attacked in a parking lot in horror movies you know you can't get enough of it i mean i guess (laughs) (laughs) i you're not a hometown hero i personally feel as though every single bit of this movie is pretty much completely phoned in and is just the skeleton of what might make a movie like this good to watch if it were done any bit differently. <laughs> I I could not get into this movie <laughs> at all. I couldn't get into Southern Comfort. I'm going to just That's be crazy. That's I'm going to so be crazy. real. Oh god, I knew I knew that it was such a brat movie, but it was a struggle for me. I could see that. Uh, yeah. I could definitely see that. Sweet Home Alabama had its challenges, but I I enjoyed it. I like I like um Reese Witherspoon and I I I kind of like the twist on the Bellamy that we get with Patrick Dempsey because he really is yeah. a good dude. Yeah. Uh and yeah, they could have given us more. I mean, I could see this being a case of leap year for you where you know, there's concepts here but it didn't execute in the way that you may have hoped. The the problem is is that this movie is all about milking the hijinks for all they're worth. And yet the hijinks are completely devoid of any real comedy. <laughs> like some of them I think are funny. I like when she gets arrested. Uh, I don't know. So, but like when I'm thinking of hijinks, I think of, I don't think I've ever recommended it on the show as a love bite, but we've 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 mentioned it a few times. The nanny has some of the most wonderful hijinks that I've seen to like that I can currently think of. The nanny is so hijinksy, it's so great. This movie though is like one of the hijinks in the movie is that he sits her down, the dad sits her down in a recliner, puts the recliner back, and she kind of almost maybe doesn't really come close to falling over. 
And then later, when her mother-in-law stops by, she also kind of doesn't really fall over. Like they're like the 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 when they do the house tour, where they're pretending he's the one guy's pretending to be a journalist, she's pretending to be, and he and he's pretending to be a different person. They're in this house, and like that that hijinks was just. It was so cringy. It was so devoid of any comedic tension, of any storytelling tension. It just, but it clearly was like someone tried, someone tried to put jokes in here. <laughs> That's all I could think of was like, <laughs> they're trying, they're really trying to do jokes. They're really trying. But I just could not. The the hijinks for me through this. You know, movie like off. when the dog disappears and you don't know if he's drowning, but then he reappears with the ball. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. I don't get. I, I don't get why that's comedic. I mean, I don't mind. You don't like a- when her gay best friend from New York says, "Do we know?" Mo? No. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> Go ahead. Keep throwing them at me. I don't know. The, this movie is is just... I I don't know. I think the, only, the best way to do it is to go through it. And even, even Wikipedia, you'll see as I go through the, the, the story on Wikipedia, Wikipedia just blasts through the story of the first hour of this movie because there's nothing here there it's just devoid of any i'll tell you what's here it's a cotton candy fantasy that you are spraying with water and it's dissolving under your male cynicism (laughs) all right let's get into it Okay, okay, let's let's get into it. Tell us the story courtesy of Wikipedia. So we open on a beach in the fiction the fictional town of Pigeon Creek, Alabama. And we have ten year olds, Jake Perry and Melanie Smooter. Little Dakota uh, Fanning. Little Dakota Fanning. It was so, I thought it was so creepy though how they made them kiss. Ew. I, okay, I did actually I put in my notes kids kissing isn't that cute i didn't like the kids kissing i didn't need i'm not into i mean screw me i'm not into kids kissing sorry it also to to me when they were about to kiss it was like oh this is kind of weird but then it was like they didn't just do a cute little kid peck on the cheek innocent thing like they kind of really went for a kiss and it I was, don't know it how old of, they're real, how old the actors really were. Like maybe that was just something weird uh, between the actors. I don't know. It was gross, but <laughs> I I agree. I I actually do agree with you there. Uh, but uh, as they kiss, lightning strikes the sand, and Jake asserts that one day they're going to be married. However, we cut to present day, and Melanie is nowhere near Alabama. She is now all the way up in New York City. And she is a what's going to be a very successful fashion designer, and she has adopted the surname Carmichael to hide her poor southern roots. Okay. 
So after wealthy Andrew Hennings proposes, right? Like, so we the have the son of the mayor. What a catch! Right he he can't he can't really stay for her big premiere of her fashion line, which is all going crazy, right? But like, she's got just the perfect fix for everything. Like, oh, walk that lady in in between numbers three and five because then the orange light will make her dress look green. So she's a very capable, fast-moving northerner type lady. She's competent. We we got right. a nice competent montage, and, and then of um, course the classic rom com. He's gonna propose. Right. Every everybody in a rom com always knows when he's gonna propose. Do they? I mean, it's kind of a law. It's like romance. It's romantic comedy physics. This might be one of the first times though where they're actually right. Because most of the times they're wrong. <laughs> Whenever they say he's going to propose, usually that means uh, you're getting dumped. Um, and so, but yeah, so Andrew takes her to this weird roundabout way of getting her to a, um, a, a Tiffany's. And there he proposes to her. And it's, I don't know, but to me it seems weird. I thought weird. it I thought it was funny when she said, are you sure? Right. Because they're not. All right. <laughs> so, yeah, clearly they're not like this isn't this isn't true love. Even she right off the bat is like, really? Are you sure? And he's like, listen, I know it's pretty early, but I never do anything crazy. And then we get the the hint that maybe there is a possibility that he's doing this just to piss off his mom, who's a total control freak and is grooming him to become Murphy just, Brown. Yeah, not just a super politician, but the president of the United States. I mean, he's kind of got JFK Jr. vibes. I mean, it, I I see it. I, oh, yeah. I would I would vote for Patrick Dempsey as president. Right. So even though Melanie wants to wait to announce to the world that they're engaged because she wants to, quote unquote, tell her parents before anyone else knows. Right. She gets ousted by her new mother-in-law who does it kind of on accident, but also is like she's crazy, mean Murphy Brown, rom-com, meanie head Murphy Brown. And so, well, yeah, this-, this is the second time that Murphy Brown has been in a rom-com we've watched and been mean. Yeah. This is how I know who Candace Bergen is, like from growing up. Like later did I realize, oh, right, Murphy Brown. Oh, right. Like Candace Bergen. Like, oh, right. I just assumed like she was always just this mean lady from rom-coms. Um, but this forces Melanie to have to go back down south. We don't really know why right away until she visits this guy, Jake, played by Josh Lucas, who is a very handsome Southern boy. Oh, he's so handsome. And look, I know that you didn't care for the engagement scene, which, I mean, honestly, I would compare the engagement scene. Think about how excited you are when you get to that scene in an action movie or a horror movie when it's like you see the the gross body workshop or you see the destruction that has been wrought and you're like, Oh yeah, shit's about to go down. That's how I feel when we walk into the big room 
with all the diamonds and they're like, look at all these counters where we have diamonds for you. And it's like, oh my God, what a gesture. And then on top of that, you pull out the rabbit of the hat, which is the hot ex still husband and that belligerent sexual tension between them. It's just delicious. I don't, I, I, I think it might be the filmmaking or something because when you say the, the razzle dazzle of Tiffany's, all I can think of is just the awkward way where she's like, really, we're going to get proposed. Like you're going to propose to me now. There's no razzle dazzle to me. And when you say the hot belligerent sexual tension between these two, I mean, yes, I know because this is a rom-com that they're going to end up together and all that. But to me, there was nothing between Reese Witherspoon and Josh Lucas that signified we are doing anything like they're not they're not meant to be. The script wants them to be, but they're just two actors acting in the same room with the best, doing the best they have with what. Do you think they secretly hated each other? I do. You believe that there's a sweet home conspiracy? I don't think so. I just think that, like, what you're describing to me and what I watched are two very different things. So, um. We've learned, though, that Melanie has visited Jake not just to visit an old flame of hers or just for laughs and giggles, but she actually needs him to sign divorce papers because, surprise, they actually did get married. That scene at the beginning of the movie where he says he's going to marry her one day, that not only has happened, but the fallout of it has happened, too, where she has left him and they now hate each other except it's pretty clear that they don't really hate each other they just had to separate because you know they were just too young i think that's what the movie wants us to think is they were too young to handle the responsibility of being in a marriage but they're still meant to be so wikipedia skips over all of the hijinks the quote-unquote hijinks so wikipedia is going to skip over the fact that uh the cop gets called out to her place And then that um, it turns out that they're actually still married. So the cop says, I can't take you. So then Jake is trying to get the cop to take her out of his house by, by um, telling him about all the bad things she did as a rambunctious teenager. And then finally he finds something that he can arrest her for. So she gets arrested. Then she has to call her parents and then her dad has to come get her out of jail and then they have, like, which the they've parent- done before, right? But the parent dynamic, I did not get. The mother character was all over the place. I did not like her at all. But then the next morning, she goes to get some money out of the ATM, but there is no ATM because Southerners like to have that hospitality. Can't have a hospitality with a dang robot outside. So she has to go inside, talks to Marilyn Rice Cub, who I do like. Oh, I love her. She's so hilarious. <laughs> and then uh, Marilyn Rice Cub is like, hey, since you're still married, you can pretty much have as much money out of Jake's account as you want. So she empties it all, which supposedly is, is a huge amount, right? Like it's way more than she thought that it was. Right. Um, she just thinks he's a poor country bumpkin. Right. And so she empties out all of his money and then he's 
she goes to his house and pretends to be his wife, but she's in like super awesome wife mode, which is like, be careful what you wish for wife mode. Which well, is- she or has dated him. She did the thing in pillow talk where she, she put her feminine touch and redecorated everything. But not only did she redecorate, she made him dinner. She did the, like she, she's being the ultimate wife that he doesn't really want just to spite him and annoy him. And then he says, oh, BT dubs, I've actually got a date tonight, see ya, and just pieces it out of his own home while she's there. So she follows him to his date, goes to a a, a bar, and then at the bar, she turns into a drunken idiot. Oh, also Gene Smart's there. Gene Smart, Smart is Josh is Lucas's mom, and That's she's right. cool. And she's got a friend named Bobby Ray, who she met out on the side of the road. Ethan Embry. She didn't meet him there. They just saw it because that's a country thing where you'd see your friend who you grew up with on Main Street driving down the road in his pickup. That level of hijinks was obviously very forgettable because Wikipedia did not mention it. I'm just saying. And so so Bobby Ray, who we know as her friend, her childhood friend is there. So there's a whole bunch of stuff going on, but basically she just gets drunk. She insults everyone around her. That was really cringy. She outs her childhood friend, Bobby Ray as being gay. And then he has to like, then she's going to go drive home drunk. So he's got to take her keys away and he has to bring her home where she's all passed out. And the parents are like, not again. Ugh, you two are so perfect for each other because you always just bring her home and do, do, do. Well, no, the dad likes him. Fred Ward likes Josh Lucas, but the mom wants her to be with Patrick Dempsey because she wants her to have a better life. Right. She yeah. wants her to get out of that backwoods town. Um, and so when she wakes up, she's got the divorce papers signed. And basically she gets everything she wants. And at this point in the movie, this is like, I'm sure at some point in Southern Comfort, you were like, dude, just kill the whole troop and end the movie here. I don't care. <laughs> to me, it was like, okay, you got your divorce paper signed. Go home. Go back to New York. End the movie. No, she needs to end do an apology. She had to do an apology to her. She acted like an asshole. And then the next this scene apolo- is her apology to her. This apology tour has to be the lamest apology tour because all she does is she shows up, she sees everyone, and she goes, sorry. And they go, that's all right. Let's just keep the plot moving. Let's just keep the, the script going. Like her apologies are super weak. And she, it just, there's got to be better ways to show this. There has got to be better ways to maneuver this. I understand that this movie wants to force a bunch of pieces together to fit a certain way. But like there are movies that I have seen where they force pieces together and they don't, make it a chore to get those pieces to fit. They have fun getting the pieces to fit. So even though that not all the pieces click at like in a satisfying movie that's, you know, got a better structure or well-written, it's at least got fun where you go, eh, so there's a little bit of bumps here and there. Like, no, this movie to me is just like, 
it's all bumps. All I see is just the awkward... bumpy country roads. Yeah, it's just it's clunky and lazy, and I, I, I just, I, I wanted her to go home. I wanted her to go home, but like you said, she does the apology tour. She goes to the Carmichael plantation and apologizes to Bobby Ray. And then that's where she's cornered by her mother-in-law's assistant who is pretending to be from a, a, a newspaper and sent there to gather information on her background, which she can't have dug up because, oh no. Well, so she then lied. Bobby... She lied about being a rich little Southern belle. I mean, it's a classic rom-com thing, the lying about your identity. I get, but the whole tour thing was it, it again. The hijinks is very lazy, but the guy goes back and he, I, I don't know. Um, she, she, she uh, so Melanie reconciles with her other friends, like Melanie Linsky, Felony Melanie, um, Melanie Linsky, and she, Melanie tells her, or I'm sorry, not. I'm getting my Melanie's confused. Uh, Melanie Linsky tells the character, uh, Reese Witherspoon Melanie, that Jake actually left to go to New York to see her, but never followed through on it. And the whole thing is that he couldn't ever go try to win her back because he thought he needed to be someone. He yeah, he, he, he to tried to Gatsby. He he thought he had to great Gatsby it, which is just insane. Like, I don't know. I don't know what it, I mean, that is a thing in this movie that I was kind of like, okay. I mean, you can't, you can't do a great Gatsby halfway. He did a great Gatsby, but he didn't invite her to the party. So it's like, how is she going to know how great he is? I don't know. I was never a big fan of any of the great Gatsby incarnations either so so you're telling me that you aren't (laughs) horny for that deep south glass like uh melanie is Mm -mm. no way (laughs) jose um and so again this is where wikipedia kind of falls apart on me all it says next is she and jake have a heart-to-heart talk and melanie understands in the pet cemetery okay and so Basically, she's like, wow, you are a good guy. And he's like, yeah, and I never stopped loving you, even though you're kind of a jerk and you're kind of toxic to everyone around you. Um, And then Andrew, uh, Mr. Patrick Dempsey, arrives to surprise Melanie. But upon learning her true background and that Jake was her husband, he leaves angrily. Then I do like scene, when he says, You're you were married to your cousin? Yeah, that that was pretty good. Um but he leaves, and then in the next scene he returns saying, Actually, no, it's still good. I still want to marry you. And she's like, Well, actually now this is the like I don't understand where her new love of her home has come from to the point where she's like, I want to I, I came down south to divorce this guy who was really nice to me and I left for no reason. And then I was mean to all my friends and I was a real asshole. And then I kind of went around and gave some half-hearted apologies. And now it means a lot to me that our marriage, that our wedding takes place here in my house. 
Now, the reason that, that she wanted it to be in the town is because she looked at her parents and she knew that they were uncomfortable with the pomp and circumstance of a wealthy Manhattan wedding. They're very traditional, humble folk. And she did it for her parents, not for herself or because she's still in love with Josh Lucas. Again, a a marriage is a, a, a joint thing. So basically what she's saying is I don't care about your family at all. I don't care that your mom actually well, might, his mom's a it dick. might mean a lot. All right. Well, <laughs> I mean, I can't argue that, but it's it's. But the the point still remains is that like now she just all of a sudden becomes super duper into I want to do this thing for my parents because it would mean a lot for them, even though I haven't seen really any growth between her and her family. And if I know if anything, I don't like her mom at all. So. <laughs> I don't care about making her mom happy just as much as I don't care about making Candace Bergen happy. However, the the wedding is is set into motion immediately. They're going to have it right then and there. Uh, Melanie's friends from New York arrive for the event, and while she's taking them into town, they stop by this glass blowing gallery thing, and then oh, and they... she's so turned on by that glass. Yeah, she loves it. She wants everyone to know that the way you get glass is by lightning striking sand. No, like, I mean it's just it's just a cool thing that happens to sand like when you pour metal into an anthill. I don't want to get into the ethics of pouring metal into <laughs> anthills on this podcast here. No, we're not going to we're not going to go There's face too many all up in There's here. too many ants and you know not it. Not enough. Um and but basically what they're saying is they're going like, "Wow, these glasses are really nice. Haven't we seen some similar to these in New York?" Oh wait, then the dog comes down and then Jake comes down and then Melanie realizes like, "Whoa, Jake actually owns this resort and he owns all of this like he's the mega billionaire boss of who runs the the secret lightning glass company that's that gives out glass to the entire country?" Oh my God. Yes, he's the yes. glass baron of Alabama. And so then during the wedding, this one guy, right, Buford, he keeps trying to get to the wedding. And again, the hijinks are so low effort. He shows up at the place and he's like, Where's Melanie? And they're like, Oh, get out of here, you dumb reporter. And it's like, Oh, this is the hijinks that we have. And then but the lawyer shows up. He has the divorce papers. Turns out, whoopsie doodle, Melanie was so con- so obsessed about getting Jake to sign the papers, she never realized she didn't sign the papers. So now we have a whole nother... Head versus heart. We have a whole nother grueling 20 minutes of running to the airport to get through. Andrew wishes her well. So Andrew's pretty much just like, all right, yeah, looks like you're really in love. See ya. Go have fun living your life in love. I'll be fine. I'm super good looking and rich. I don't care. Bye. And so then, um, you know, so then, yeah, the Candace Bergen insults her son by saying, like, are you going to let some rednecks ruin your name or whatever? And then Melanie punches her. 
I loved Val- that Patrick Dempsey was in a handsome bubble where, you know, things like yeah. being dumb did never happen to him before. So he's such a handsome, pure cinnamon role that he's like, okay, I liked that. I'm sorry. I liked that. It was, that was nice. The entire movie isn't 100% crap, but. <laughs> so you're saying that Patrick that. Dempsey was that pure happy part for you yeah he was he was nice um although he was a good boy he turned into a cool guy just in his zen approach at the end but the first part i was very i was i was ready for him to go full heel and just want to marry her out of spite to get back at his mother for whatever um and the whole grand romantic gesture to me wasn't I don't know. I, I wasn't into the whole Tiffany's thing of like, yeah, just pick whatever one you want. Like, oh, wow. Isn't that just like the gift card of I guess. Of I mean, like, he closed down the store. It, it definitely was grand. And, you know, they. I don't it, know. the whole presentation of it was very, very Sonya big. And I, Sonya and I just are not into that kind of stuff, though. Like, we just, we did not have a wedding. We, did, we don't have wedding rings. We don't have, like... We're just not into that. So, so for that ultra generic level of like, let me get you chocolates and a teddy bear for Valentine's Day as the big romantic gesture. Like it to me, it comes off a little bit too plain. I mean, to I be... would yeah, yeah, I would say gift giving isn't my love language either. Um, but I don't know. I'm. Sometimes I'm just uh, into the bigness of the gesture, the the hyper real campiness of the gesture. I I did watch. Uh, maybe I'll I'll find a way to turn it into uh, a movie for one of our themes. But I watched a more modern romantic comedy recently where they make fun of the grand gesture where the guy shows up at kind of the wrong time with a really big grand thing. And the, the woman he's trying to impress is like, um, I'm giving a speech right now and you're kind of interrupting me. And this is really awkward. <laughs> and it's, it's kind of cute the way that they, they take the grand gesture and then lampshade it. Yeah. Um, here though, they go all out on many grand gestures because oh, very she, classic. She has to go find Jake at the at the beach where he's runaway bride rod. in the rain. Yeah, he's putting lightning rod things into the sand to make more glass, and then she kisses him, and then it's and then they go back to their wedding reunion. Oh or wait, reception. but when they kiss. You know, you're always complaining about how rom-coms aren't cinematic, but when they kiss, the rain basically turns into sparkles and the lightning strikes. And it's very, you know, it's very fireworks and sparkles and fuzzy, fuzzy love demonstrations, which, you know, again, in their just complete grand hyper reality, I think can sometimes be appealing. It's not meant to be realistic. It is a cotton candy fantasy. Yeah, but it, the moment wasn't earned from me. You you think that Josh Lucas is too good for her? Uh, I mean, I, I get the moment 
I, I understand it on a logical level of like, okay, yeah, she loves him. He loves her. They're on the beach. They're kissing. It sparkles and lightning and, and, and sparkly and, and grand and all that stuff. But like it, the movie just didn't earn it for me. There was no, there was nothing to build up to it where I could finally say like, ah, yes, this is the cathartic release of all that tension I felt built up. It was just like, okay, yeah, the two pretty people who were obviously meant to be together are now kissing and they made it look like, you know what I mean? They, they made it look like a, a commercial for, I don't know, lightning sand. Um, for monogamy. For monogamy. And so then they go for back. For heterosexuals. They, they go back to, uh, to the wedding reception, which is now Melanie and, um, and Jake's wedding reception instead of Melanie and Andrew's wedding reception. And they get to have their first official dance as husband and wife because they've never danced before even as husband and wife. And then, and then there's a mid credit sequence where it's just like, Hey guys, happy ending for everyone, including the handsome guy. He got to marry a different girl. Yeah. I mean, they, (laughs) they, they didn't need to tie up those loose ends. I also thought it was weird when Melanie says, play something slow. And then Gene smart plays sweet home, Alabama. And I get that we had to play it because it's the name of the movie. But that's not slow. Like, they could have done something else, like Neon Moon. I don't know. like, uh, Or at least a slow cover of it. (laughs) I don't think you can do just the beat of Sweet Home doesn't really work for a slow cover. But, um, yeah, that, that was weird to me. But I liked when Ethan Embry knocked off the bride and groom off the cake and put Rock'em Sock'em Robots there. I thought it was cute. Eh. Like that's the kind of thing that probably could have been a good callback to something earlier in the movie instead of just, oh, at the end of the movie, you know what we got to do is we got to poke fun at this traditional wedding and go towards more of a a loosey-goosey southerner, let's not make a big deal out of it wedding. Oh yeah, just take this toy from the bar and put it like, I don't know. It could have been more about them as characters i just i feel like the entire movie was just like an example of sort of i don't know i i I just did not like it at all the more it went on the more i hated it i don't know unfortunately unfortunately we don't have a phd here to this to to describe the movie to me better no no you just get me a plain college graduate i'm i'm sorry that i didn't advance enough in my studies to explain this piece of art to you (laughs) no i you know i would 100 percent have heather on again to explain any kind of historical or regency romance uh but when it comes to Sweet Home Alabama, I don't know. Again, I, I do think that this is a movie that is just really like My Best Friend's Wedding or 10 Things I Hate About You, Love It or Hate It, um, Legally Blonde as well, although I would say Legally Blonde is better. Legally um, Blonde is a much better movie. Yeah, it's it's a better outing for Reese Witherspoon all around. But yeah, this is just one of those movies 
that is a foundational text in my course on romantic comedies. Uh, the things that were really cringy for me, though, were um, that stars and bars, Confederate flag pillow over at their plates, like all of the references to the Civil War and the old times and the South rising again. Uh, it just was like, yuck. Um, not not for it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it definitely felt like, uh, you know, we'll we'll give them this one. Like we won't we won't we won't attack this talking point of their culture just to keep things pretty nice and so. Yeah, this is a part of Southern culture that I'm very glad in 2021 that we're starting to see the sort of death groans of the yeah. sort of romanticizing and um worshiping of pre-civil war america is just gross so i don't know i i'm not into that aspect of this movie at all yeah i hear you so on to who we would kill from this movie i i'm gonna just throw it out there i'm guessing you're gonna say melanie I I mean yes. Yes. I think I I think I've mentioned it before but yeah, usually the movies that I really end up despising are the ones where I just cannot click with the main character at all. And just So you're every- saying you hate women as main characters? I'm joking. No. I'm jo- I'm joking. No. I know I know I know you don't. I know you don't. Um but yeah, just just I, this I, woman. Just this woman. I did not like Reese Witherspoon's character at all. Like, at all. So, I just... I, I just don't think I'm into this type of movie at all. I'm not into this type of character at all. Like, this movie just was made to... I, I this, is, this is the kind of movie I think of when I think of, like, rom-com TM. And I just think of, like, a it movie It is very is, rom-com TM. It's just a movie that's going through the motions to get that big. It reminded me a lot of Notting Hill, where it was just like, we want the big thing so bad that we're just like, that's all we're focused on. The entire story is just focused on getting that big moment to the detriment of the rest of the entire movie. Like this movie has no foresight. I will say that the early 2000s was a hard decade for rom-coms because we're coming off 20 years of really solid hits because the 80s and the 90s were great for rom-coms all the way up to 99 where you had, you know, just, I mean, I I could go on and on, but once we hit the 2000s, that's when things really got hard and you started to see a lot more rom-com TMs and a lot less material that was original because they're sort of feeding off of the popular films from the previous two decades. Uh, And I think, you know, horror goes through that too, where there's just kind of these (laughs) stale periods where we're just rewriting the stories and the beats that worked 
Because, yeah, as good as the 80s and 90s were for rom-coms, they were probably even better for horror. And then, you know, it's like, how do you innovate after that? Yeah, I guess I just don't understand exactly, like, uh, what I'm hearing from you is like, yeah, there's a lot of bad rom-com TMs just because of the nature of this era and what's come before it and the nature of the movie industry at the this time. This is a valley. But you're also saying that like this movie is a staple of the genre and of your understanding of the genre. That's true. I mean, I would say that, yeah, this time period was pretty bad for rom-coms in general, but people still did look at this movie and spin off probably you know like i said thousands of movies like it about people going well women particularly going back to their hometown like i feel like the entire christmas schedule for hallmark is just based on this concept yeah so there has to be something yeah. yeah there has to be something in there that works and i've seen ways that i think it has worked this is the movie that i leap to first because it's sort of the movie that everybody thinks about um but there are definitely others yeah um but yeah also if i was watching this movie like with you it probably would have been better just to hear you talk about the reasons why you like it, despite it not being uh, like the greatest example of the genre. Whereas I was watching it with Sonia, so it was just two cynical people <laughs> watching a by the numbers rom com, and we just we had nothing to dig our, our hooks into. I'll I'll grant you your cynicism here. Uh, it needed to be done, uh, but I'll. I mean, we'll we'll go back to the drawing board and we'll we'll see we'll see what strikes past your ice wall of cynicism. Good luck. <laughs> uh, you know, for me, who would I kill here? Um, yeah, probably Melanie, just because I really didn't like the way she treated Bobby Ray. Oh my god, yeah. Yeah, she was she was a scumbag I, human being. I just don't think it was right for her to out him. Right. Um I get you. Yeah, and then yeah, her excuse was like if maybe if everyone was looking at you instead of me, but really it just made her look like I also get that just because I think it made people do... look at her harder. If she were yeah. on Survivor, it would have been a lock to vote her out at Tribal. Um, yeah, I don't. I just, I really do get what this movie's going for. I just don't get. I I just don't like how the execution was done, pretty much on any level. Which is, which is fine. It's fine. I I really was though. I was rooting for this one, like I was rooting for um, Legally Blonde though, because I had a blast rewatching Legally Blonde. I haven't uh, seen that movie since Legally it came Blonde out. Legally Blonde is is just like I like I said before, or like we said, the pacing, the pacing oh, in that movie so is perfect. The pacing and the scene structure and the reasons why the characters get together and then how their actions lead to other. Oh, the things costuming that they have to too. 
it, you yeah, could write just, essays on Elle's outfits. Uh, yeah, Le- Legally Blonde is a fantastic movie. Um, so if you've learned nothing else from our Sweet Home Alabama podcast, mm-hmm. it's Watch Legally Blonde. That's right. Um, how you said you had a hard time turning this one into a horror? Oh, just abysmal. Like like yeah. I said, this is going to be an elevator pitch where we're only going up two floors. Yep. Do you want so, to go first? Or? Yes, because it's okay. going to be very short. I decided to call my movie Mad Mayors. And it is a very half-baked premise where... Uh, Murphy Brown, Candace Bergen slash Kate Hennings, mayor of New York, pulls a Shit's Creek and buys the town of Pigeon Creek as revenge for her jilted son, but then gets in trouble with the IRS and loses all her money. So she has to go to Pigeon Creek. And because she is a mayor, that is her profession. She wants to be mayor of Pigeon Creek, but they already have a mayor. And it results in an all-out mayor versus mayor war, which, like, you could could say it's like a Looney Tunes cartoon. I would say that it's a cat versus cat with the town of Pigeon Creek as their chessboard. And... Um, I don't know. I, I just, I, I don't know who should win, whether, whether outside mayor Murphy Brown should win or country mayor, the city mayor or the country mayor, but I would love for there to be a corn maze fights, uh, something where Candace Bergen has to go noodling for catfish and maybe she slaps the country mayor with her catfish hands um and uh yeah i don't know i i don't know who should win and who should lose or if they should both die or if they should be co-mayors after their uh prank war but that's where i'm at mad mayors that's my pitch mad mayors i i definitely could see (laughs) this turning from like a whimsical horror movie into like a very deeply disturbing horror movie uh, as you go further down the further down Pigeon's Creek. Well, maybe that's the hook. At first, it seems like it's going to be one of those uh, fish out of water, funny situational comedies. And then the mayor start to try to kill each other. And who knows, maybe the mob gets involved and the mob comes to the town and it gets all Fargo like. The Dixie Mafia. Dixie Mafia versus New York Italian Mafia. Ooh, yeah. Who makes the better cannolis? I don't know. They're not perverts. They're just Italian. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I thought that Sweet Home Alabama was actually a pretty good title for a horror movie. So I'm just going to leave it at that. Okay. I'm going to kind of start with the same sort of thing where it's Mel and her fiance, Andrew. Um, They're like, she's really into him. And then she, something happens where she has to like go into emergency surgery and she's begging the doctors like not to put her under or not to do something. And then it turns out that she goes into a coma 
and that the only way to to wake her is by giving her some sort of transplant from one of her family members, which can only be done in Alabama. So they have to fly her to Alabama. And then when she wakes up, she wakes up with like a doctor around her. And then her, her fiance is there, Andrew. And she's like, Andrew, what's going on? And he's like, you know, trying to tell her. But, you know, obviously there's some mix up at first where she doesn't know where she is. But then she slowly starts to piece together that she's in Alabama. And then the more she starts to piece together that she's in Alabama, the more nervous she gets. But then the doctor comes out and then we can make it like one of those crazy Southern uh, Baptist doctor types who's like, I'm going to heal you with a snake bite. And he's like, yeah, the snake will bite all the sin out of you. And she's like, that's not how that works. And he's like, I'm a doctor. So it's like crazy land. And so she has to kill the is, doctor. Is this what you think Southern Baptists are like? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, remember, uh, I guess it wasn't in, but remember, I just want more snake handling <laughs> movies. <laughs> um, uh, more King Cobras being handled. <laughs> right. And so then she has to kill the doctor and her fiance is like, what the fuck? And she's like, you should have never brought me back home. And then again, mine is, is maybe one floor above yours in terms of elevator pitching, but only one. So I don't know. Then she's got to go kill her family for whatever reason to end a curse because she's cursed or the family wants to kill her to end a curse or to something. So then she's got to kill her mom and then we can like go through maybe she when she was a kid she poisoned one of her mom's old like moonshine bottles or something and then they have to play this game of like she basically has to get her mom to drink out of a certain bottle of moonshine because she knows it's poison so they can do that by so trading Russian back roulette. memories yeah, and, like, they're taking swigs of different moonshine and trading stories. And, like, at first the stories are kind of um, amicable and, like, you know, whatever. But then her fiancé is there and the mother is, like, telling him all these horrible stories about the woman she's about to – or the woman that he's about to marry and stuff. But the mom dies. Then she has to kill the dad. Of course, they get involved in some kind of shootout, maybe in, like, a um, – the civil war reenactment where they're actually using live rounds while everyone else is using fakes. So they have to like try to snipe each other out of the thing or whatever. Um, But she kills her dad and then the curse should end, but the curse doesn't end. And so then it turns out she has to go to her ex lover for whatever reason. And when she gets to her ex lover, she realizes that the curse will only ever end when the rest of her immediate family has been killed. And then she realizes, Oh shit. Her ex lover is actually her brother. So we get some Southern. Why would you do that? (laughs) Because it's a Southern horror movie and I can't brother fucker. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah, well, she didn't know at the time. We, if, if that's your only concern is making the good guy come out of it unscathed, then we can do something. We we can work around that in some comedic way. Where like, okay. she didn't actually fuck her brother. But the implication <laughs> is, is that this person who she had a, a, a non-familial relationship with is now all of a sudden her brother. 
and so she has to stab him and we'll we'll make it with like some kind of sacrificial knife or something but then as soon as she kills him like before she kills him the fiance turns on her and is like actually I was doing this the whole time to because I want to be an oil baron instead of a a mayor whatever and so he's like I'm just uh, a he rich wants asshole. to there will be blood yeah He's like, I'm just a rich asshole who just wants to keep being a rich asshole. So after she stabs her brother, the curse is unleashed. Whatever the curse is, again, we'll make it some kind of rhyme or something for to make it better for the audience. But then a confederate ghost comes out from the ground and is like, I'm the confederate ghost and I'm here to kill all of you. And then Melanie is like, well, actually, my dickwad of a fiance here just betrayed me and he's from up north so if you wanted to you could probably take over his body go up north and get revenge on a whole bunch of northerners and the ghost is like sounds good to me and so then the ghost kills the fiance he gets his comeuppance and then the ghost is like i'm gonna go up north and kill a bunch of bad northerners now because i'm a confederate Some yanks ghost. yeah and then that's the end of the movie is just her back in Alabama. And now she doesn't care that she's back in Alabama because her family's dead. And that's the whole reason why she didn't want to go there to begin with. So. Well, good for her. Good for her. Good for <laughs> her. Bless her heart. <laughs> um, Sweet home Alabama. There you have it. A very soft, <laughs> offensively cartoonish elevator pitch for all of you Southern folk out there. Well, the dog don't hunt, but I'll take it. Uh, well, that is all for today. Before we get into our love bites, just like to remind all of you good folk to follow us wherever you listen to podcasts, rate and subscribe. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at NecromancerPod. Now on to our love bites so what you got for us this week brett well i've actually been uh i've seen quite a few new movies lately and i'm pretty happy with that because it's been a while since new movies have come out and especially new movies that i want to see but i would say probably the best one that i saw is black widow I I love what Marvel's doing. I know I've said this before, but I just love what Marvel's doing. I love Black Widow. I thought it was a two-hour-long, action-packed fun fest. I thought uh, David Harbour was great in it. I didn't know Rachel Weisz was in it. She was great. Ugh, I uh, love her. I just thought it was really cool, and I understand some of the more cynical objections or some of the more cynical um observations people have had with the movie in terms of like oh it's marvel and why couldn't this happen or this or this or why did they have to do it out of order for this but man i don't know i feel like in three years from now when sony and i wake up on a rainy sunday we're gonna put on black widow and just have a blast with it because that's what we did the other day with Ant-Man and the Wasp. Sonya woke me up and was like, hey, I'm going to go watch Ant-Man and the Wasp. You want to watch it with me? I said, sure. 
And like, that was a movie that I was like, yeah, it's fine when I first saw it. But now because I have the greater Marvel cinematic universe, I'm like, you know what? It's just a fun movie. It's a really fun movie. I feel the same way about Black Widow. I liked it. I liked it a lot. Yeah, Black Widow. All right, Black Widow. I, you know, again, I mean, not to poo-poo on the Marvel gang. I'm just not too much of an MCU gal. I'm more into the the JQU, the Julia Quinn Cinematic Universe, uh, which is Bridgerton. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I I can appreciate a good superhero movie where there's some compelling female characters, which seems to be what Black uh, yeah. Widow's delivering. And we saw it at the theater, which was cool. We hadn't been to the theater in a while, so that was cool. But Marvel movies really do and shows I really would not mind just sitting at home and watching it with Sonia and just talking our way through the entire movie because it's more of a personal experience that way. I don't need to go to the theater every time a new movie comes out to see it. I like that now I can watch a bunch of these movies at home Um, because we watched The Suicide Squad last night and that was a good movie. It was fun. But it was a lot more fun because Sony and I could just sit around chit-chatting, not while the movie played. It's not like we were having different conversations, but we could talk with the movie while the movie played. And right. So that was fun to like speculate and like say who our favorite characters were, think about who was going to die, and just all of that stuff. Um, but yeah, like I can also see like ten years ago, I probably might not have loved Marvel as much because I didn't know Sonya and I didn't see all the movies with Sonya. But now that I have Sonya, it's like, oh yeah, it's not just a Marvel movie. It's a Sonya and Marvel movie. Love. True love brought you (laughs) together with Marvel. With Marvel. Um, So yeah, how about you? What's your love bite? Are you going to recommend getting bitten by an actual Black Widow? Absolutely not. Uh, Now, one of the things you said earlier was there was not enough shenanigans in Sweet Home Alabama. Well, I would like to recommend a series that has it's a book series. Sorry, don't don't get your hopes up for TV or movies. Uh, A book series which has very good narrators. Once again, if you're more of the listening type uh by penny reed it's the winston brothers series and i recommend starting with the book beauty and the mustache this series is full of shenanigans all about people going back to this hometown of green valley tennessee and running into some good old-fashioned country shenanigans the first book beauty and the mustache is about a girl who goes home to take care of her mother with cancer and she has to deal with her six country brothers and a pesky park ranger who she has sexual tension with. Uh, And uh, the next book, uh, what is it called? Uh, Truth or Beard is also very entertaining, very shenanigan filled uh, all about, again, a girl who goes home to her hometown and finds the guy who's been waiting for her. 
Uh, so I think that if that is your jam, if you listen to this episode and you're like, I like this kind of movie, Justice for Sweet Home Alabama, <laughs> I 100% know that you would love the Winston Brothers series by Penny Reed. Uh, if you're a country romance kind of gal, get into it. Yeah. So, Brett, how would uh, Big Daddy Alabama Mars sign us off? Giddy Necromancer is produced by Brett Dorman and Shira Moore. The theme song is Symphonia 3 by Kevin McLeod on the album Oddities.